please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. All right, it's great to be here with you on a Monday morning to study the book of 1 Peter. I hope you're doing well. Continue to pray for our Peru team who is going to begin their travels back to the States. They fly to Lima today, and they have to spend the night in Lima, and then they have a, a flight tomorrow morning back to the States on Delta. So, uh, so pray that the Lord be with them, watch over them, get them home safe, and uh, looking forward to hearing all the testimonies out of Peru and all the wonderful things that the Lord did there, as the Lord always does, never fails us on these trips. Uh, well, in First Peter, and it's been a wonderful book so far, and the first chapter of, of the book of First Peter is just, man, it's, it's, it's one of those chapters where if you read the whole first chapter all together, you, it's kind of like you, you end the chapter with just this, this uh, crescendo, sort of like the symbols that come at the, at the end of a, of, a, of a symphony that builds up and it just whoosh, and you just want to go out and save the world, you know, and you're ready to be caught up in the whirlwind of heaven, and it's just wonderful because Peter is just just building up and just encouraging and, and lifting, and, and he goes on after this to in chapters 2 and 3 and, and so on to sort of give some practical application to what the Lord has done for us, but in this first chapter, it's just... Uh, Man, he's just building us up and encouraging us. So he says here, beginning of verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Thank you, King James, for that. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you that uh, by your Holy Spirit, we can be strengthened in our minds. We can have the hope awaiting the revelation of Jesus Christ when He returns to gather us all up and to rejoice and sing the everlasting song, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. And God, we thank You for this morning that we get to study Your Word, that we get to spend time in Your presence, we ask that you be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Peter says to the believers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, scattered all around, gird up the loins of your mind or, or the muscles of your mind. That, that, that term there is referring to sort of a, a mental fortitude. That's a pretty good phrase right there. Mental fortitude. <laughs> mental fortitude. Mental strength. As you go about your walk. Because he says that be sober. Okay? So we'll look at that. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the mind here. Okay? Now, the mind is part of the soul of a person. Alright? So now we're getting in a little bit deeper here. Don't lose me now. Okay? The person is, is spirit, soul, and body. 
Okay? Animals have animals have soul and body. Okay? Humans have the spirit, soul and body. All the way back in Genesis, God breathed into Adam and became a living being. In other words, the spirit of God came in. Sin separates, severs our spirits from connecting with God. But through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is available to us through the resurrection where Jesus defeated sin, then our spirits come alive to God. What was I talking about? The mind is part of the soul. Okay. So, all right, I'll preach the gospel to you for a second. Now let's go back a little bit. All right, so the spirit, soul, and body. The soul is three parts, okay? Mind, will, and emotion, okay? The mind, will, and emotion. So Peter is ministering to the mind of a person. Now, the mind, will, and emotions works together with the, with the body and the spirit of a person. And he's talking about the mind right now, and he's saying that, that the, our minds have to be girded up, strengthened. Now, why, why would Peter be saying this to these Christians who are scattered abroad because of persecution, by the way, and they're trying to establish themselves as a Christian community in a world that has no idea what this whole thing is about Jesus? I mean, you know, all they're hearing is little reports that there's, you know, a, a, some uprising in Jerusalem and a guy got crucified. Honestly... The news of Jesus dying on the cross in that world kind of being spread around is really nothing that significant. Jesus to the non-believer and to people all over Asia Minor and wherever else, really the news of Jesus, it may have made a little more of a splash than others, but, you know, there were others who had come claiming to be the Messiah and had revolts and so... So honestly, Jesus would have been just one of one of many. And so it wasn't of much reporting. And so they're trying to establish themselves as a community that believes that this one is actually the Messiah, that he actually died, and that he actually rose again. And they're trying to set themselves as a community. And so Peter knows that they're going to have to have some be strengthened in their minds. Why? Because deception is always a possibility. It was then, it is today, that we cannot have, as Christians, a passive mind that just accepts any thought that comes along. All right, let me say that again. Okay? We all got to hear that. Me too. As Christians, we cannot have a passive mind that just accepts any thought that comes along and assumes that it has any sort of validity or truth or is even worth our time. First of all, you've got to consider the source. Well, let me just go to Matthew chapter 24 real quick before I get too worked up and let my blood pressure calm down a little bit. Okay. Matthew chapter 24. Now, many Christians get offended by the idea that they think that, that the suggestion that they could be deceived in any way. Okay, but this concept was established by Jesus Matthew chapter 24, verse, verses 4 and 5. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. He said this 
to the twelve. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. I mean, Jesus says, it's going to happen. Make sure you're not one of them. That's deceived. So, to have pride in you to say, oh, you know, that, that would never happen to me. I'm too smart to be deceived by anybody. Now, wait a second. That simply means that you let your guard down and, uh, and you're susceptible to deception more than anybody. So it takes humility to say, Lord, I just have to humble myself before you and say that uh, if I disconnect from the Word, if I disconnect from prayer, if I disconnect from the community of believers, I'm opening myself up to the possibility of deception. I can't do that, God. I've got to stay connected. i got to have a sharp mind. i gotta, I got to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. I, I have to let the Spirit of God be working on my mind and be controlling my thoughts. What does Paul say in Romans 8? Let's go there. Romans chapter 8. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, you have none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Hallelujah. So, the Spirit of God strengthens our minds as we submit to Him and we seek His will. So Peter is saying, be strong in your minds. Test the spirits, as John says. I think it's 1 John chapter 4, if I'm not mistaken. You guys can correct me if y'all remember. Test the spirits. Don't assume that anybody who comes in and gives a thought that sounds good is necessarily true. Weigh it out. Talk to those that you know well, that you trust. Talk to those whose lives have been established with good conversation, with, with holy living. Not perfect, but holy living who seek to walk in the goodness of God and are, and are confessing their sins daily and are in the Word. The, the Proverb, book of Proverbs says, those who walk with the wise will be wise. In other words, attach yourselves to wise people, people who are following after Christ and weigh those things that come in. Now this is the day of information, right? The information age. And I mean, thoughts just come flooding in and from everywhere. So now more than ever, you have to be careful about what you're letting into the, the, your view, your window of life. Because you can let anything in that you want. I mean, it's all available. Just right there at the click of a button. Pick up your phone and you can get any worldview and any perspective that you want. We don't have to wait for somebody to come to our town and present a new idea anymore. And so the question today is, uh, how are we going to guard our minds? And I want to say, especially to young believers with the cell phone thing, and I know I'm showing my age and be like, oh, this is just an old man telling me to put down my cell phone. 
And all I want to say is, uh, just be careful. Be careful, just as Peter is saying to these believers. I'm saying to you, be careful that you don't expose your mind to things that are going to lead you down a pathway of deception. Stay in the Word. Defriend those who are posting things that are polluting your mind. Get them out of there. Defriend them. You don't need them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be sober. All right? And that's why I've been talking about that too. That kind of goes into this whole concept. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This idea of hope is very important. Very important. Because, you know, Paul says, if Christ was not, has not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain, and we are to be pitied more than all men and women. More than all people. We should be pitied and looked on as a bunch of losers. Okay, if we have no hope that there is an eternal salvation that is in Jesus. And so Peter reminds us and says, listen, this is not in vain. This is not pointless. This is not hopeless. There is an eternal salvation that is to be found in Jesus Christ and you will be with Him there in heaven when He comes and He gathers up all the saints. Man, that's going to be a glorious day. And we can hope for that day. And we can look forward to that day. So there is a, a future perspective that we have to maintain in our lives that encourages us and helps us to see that our present circumstances are not the only thing that we are looking at. But we are looking at an eternal future. And so Peter is asking us to open up a little bit bigger, you know, to zoom out a little bit and not just look at what's in front of you and, you know, have that little narrow viewpoint of just your present circumstances. Open up just a little bit and see that there is an eternal significance in what God is doing in your present circumstances. There is eternal significance in what God is doing in your present circumstances. So be at peace. Verse 14, As obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the form of lusts in your ignorance. So that is the temptation when we lose eternal hope. Okay? It, Peter's, not, Peter's not just throwing words on a page here. Okay? He's organizing these things purposefully. When we lose our hope, our minds are opened up to despair and deception, and we begin to think, why not just go back to our old way of life? It was easier. I was able to medicate my pain and my agony with all kinds of sins to make myself feel better. And so let me just go back to that. And Peter's saying, no. You can't throw your life away like that. You're called. You're a person that God has taken out of the fire and set you on a course of life. And God has plans and purposes and He will fulfill them. Do not go down that thought path of despair that somehow you're just some prisoner who's going to be miserable all the days of your life and then there's no hope at the end. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Hallelujah. So don't go back to that old stuff. I mean, that's the default, right? It seemed to work before, so let me just go back to it. Peter says, no. 
Strengthen your mind in the Spirit. Don't go into those thoughts. Don't let your mind go down that destructive path. There is a hope of glory. Christ in you. You know, sometimes when we look at our life, and it seems hopeless, we don't see sort of, you know, we can't see the whole plan yet. We can't see the whole plan. And so we kind of lose hope and we think to ourselves, this isn't doing any good. I'm not seeing any fruit from all the hard work. And we get discouraged. We get down. And we begin to think that maybe, you know, I've wasted my time. Right? I have wasted my time. I'm still wasting my time. And I don't see any thing on the horizon that's going to change my circumstances. So, so, so I'm probably just going to keep wasting my time, and so I might as well just go back to what I was doing before. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's a short-sighted point of view where you're depending on your own perspective to make all your decisions. And you can't do that because our perspective is so limited. And that's where we have to depend on God and say, God, you called me. I don't see everything, but I, I can't. I can't believe that you called me for nothing, God. I just can't believe that. And that's what Peter was saying. No, don't believe that. But as he which has called you is holy. So, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, when you read that phrase right there, verse 16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So when you, when you see that, okay, most of the time, because we're sort of a, uh, you know, we're sort of a a, uh, uh, a guilt society, okay? America's kind of a, you know, sort of this uh, sin and guilt society sort of concept, and that, that's reflected in our justice system and everything. So, you know, we have sin, and so we have guilt, so we should receive some punishment. So immediately we read this, it says, be holy, and so we think, Moral standards, I fail, I stink, I bad. I mean, that's just the default in our culture, right? We see that word holy, okay, and immediately we go to moral failures, all of my failures, then I'm thinking about all my failures, I'm not holy, so I'm bad, so I can't live up, so it's no, I mean, now hold on, stop that. Destroy that thought pattern. I'm trying to, trying to get you to go down a different path. You know, brain science is, is, is just fascinating. I don't know squat, okay? Except that it's fascinating, okay? That's all I know, is that I'm really interested in it, but I don't know anything about it. And what little I know is probably enough to just be all wrong, but I know that it's just really interesting. Okay, so, I've, you know, I've just looked a little bit into it. This is, this is not any sort of, a, uh, you know, I'm not an expert by any means. All I know is that there seems to be a consensus in the field that the bre- there's, there, there's an actual physical aspect to the brain that as it develops over time, there's sort of these, it, it's almost like these pathways in your brain that, that your neurons take that are formed, and so once those pathways are formed, then then the brain 
will begin to default to those neurological pathways. And that's why we seem to have circular thoughts in our life. It's because those, those thought patterns have been solidified at one point, and so now, because other thought pathways have not been developed, okay, our brain continues to go back to the same cycle because those are just strengthened. It's, it's like if you, if you do one exercise over and over, you're going to be good at that one exercise and not others. It's, it's, when you think about it, it's a pretty simple concept, but there is an actual physical element to our brains as they form that, that actually physically is affected. And so part of this process of changing our minds, of being transformed in our minds, is the Holy Spirit actually reorganizing the physical makeup of our brains. Whoa! I got a I got one hallelujah and I got one. Whoa! <laughs> That's a gift of healing. It is. You know. Now, I have nothing to prove any of this, but I don't care. I go by faith that when when the when the Word of God says that that the Spirit, okay, that the mind controlled by the Spirit is active in the believer's life, that the Spirit is actually physically healing our brain and recreating neurological pathways that break destructive thought patterns that have held us in bondage. That came out pretty good. That came out pretty good, didn't it? That was recorded, right? I can go back and listen to that and think good about myself. <laughs> so, Peter is saying... Be transformed. Like, when you think about holiness, stop thinking about this whole default of whether I'm good or not based on my own moral standards or society standards or, or, or what I think the church's standards are. Because, listen, holiness is, is so much more than moral standards. Okay? I mean, i got to get that in you. Holiness is confessing your sins. say that again. Okay. Holiness is not being without sin because if we're if we say without sin we're a liar. Right? The truth is not in us. That's first John. That's the book of first John chapter one, uh nine, ten, eleven, right in there. Okay? So we have sins. So what is holiness at this point? We're already messed that part up. Holiness is confessing your sin having faith that Jesus has covered your sins and that you have the righteousness of Christ and you walk in it daily. Now, there's freedom in that. Why? Because it's not about how many sins you have and you judging yourself and, and, and judging whether or not you're, you're a good representative for Christ. If you're confessing your sins, if you're in the Word, if you're praying for others, then you're holy before God. And we don't do it perfectly by any means. But it's, you know, holiness in this situation is simply coming to God and saying, God, I desperately need Jesus. And I need the grace of God in my life. And, oh, by the way, I have some family members who are unsaved. And, and I also have some unforgiveness towards them. And, and I want to come to a place of forgiveness and I love to see them saved. I mean, that's holiness right there. 
I mean, that is pure holiness. Holiness is coming to God and saying, Jesus, you're the only way. Without you, I'm totally lost. Without you, I have nothing. That's, there's holiness in that right there. There's holiness in taking care of the widow and the orphan and those who are poor and destitute in life. There's holiness in serving food to the hungry in Brazil. There's ministries all over this world who are serving the hungry. We're not the only one, but we do it. And I'm proud of that. And I hope that you're proud of that, those of you who give and support that ministry. Verse 17, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of person judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In other words, call on the Father. Be in the mode of, of constantly coming before your Father and casting your cares upon Him and asking Him for strength, asking Him to gird you up with the Spirit of life to enable you to face your circumstances as difficult or as easy as they are and say that Jesus is my Lord. Say that I have a hope when Jesus Christ is revealed, I will be found in Him. Where are you today in all of this? Do you believe that there's a Heavenly Father that has no respect of persons? That no matter what your uh, social status is, no matter what your physical status is, you know, that's a really sad one. Many people believe that because they, they don't measure up to the standards of physical beauty, in this life, that some, for some reason, God doesn't like them. I mean, what a horrible sin against humanity that we've made. That is just, that's got to be one of the most ignorant things that we've ever come up with in the world. God forgive us. Without respect of persons, we have a Heavenly Father who believes that no matter how deep your sins are, no matter how much money you have, no matter the color of your skin, whether you're a male or female, that when you call out to God, He's a fair judge. He'll hear your prayer. Have mercy upon your soul. That's why I said when you read 1 Peter chapter 1, man, you're going to fall in love with God all over again. It's a beautiful chapter where Peter just by the way, they, they think that, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Silas? I think, who was the scribe? Jude? I can't remember. Now I totally forgot. But uh, one, of, one of the other guys that ran around with the apostles in the beginning helped Peter to write this book because uh, Peter was, we know that Peter was an uneducated man. And, and so, First Peter, I is just flowing with beautiful Greek. And when you read it, you can see that in it. I mean, it just flows beautifully. And so, you know, I could just picture Peter sitting around with all his buddies saying, what are we going to say to all these folks? And we're going to say, they can't forget Jesus. And that we have a hope in Him. Oh, yeah, 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 thank you. You know, what else are we going to say? Well, we can't forget that we have a Heavenly Father that loves everybody without respect. Oh, that's good. Let's write that down. You know, that's how these letters came. You know, Peter didn't just sit down in some kind of trance and just, you know, the Holy Spirit said, no, they sat together and said, let's pray about what do we say to them? Lord God, lead us, guide us. What are you getting? 
Well, the Lord is saying that we need to remind them of this. Oh, that's good. Yeah, let's write that down. And that's, what, that's how these, I mean, it's real life letters, you know, that are to encourage us. That's a, that's a, a strange little end note. But, you know, I, I just want to say Peter was a real person who failed so many times. But look at what he's writing. Look at what's in his heart, you know. The man who denied Jesus three times and saying, we've got a good father and we have a hope in Jesus. Don't be afraid. Strengthen your minds. Don't go back to the old ways of life. Keep moving forward. Be hopeful. See that there's a future in Christ. Hallelujah. Okay, see you tomorrow morning for Jason Goins teaching the next verses. Hallelujah. All right, hope you have a great day. Let me say a prayer. God, bless my brothers and sisters in Christ, everybody who listened to this message today, God, that they would receive strength by the Holy Spirit to live a holy life before you, confessing their sins, trusting in the salvation and forgiveness of Jesus, and believing, God, that you have plans and purposes that you will complete, not because we are perfect, but because you are perfect and your promises never fail. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Rosa de Charol